Last week, there at verse 14, and I'll begin reading there this morning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Of course, John the Baptist is speaking here of Jesus. That was John's main purpose for coming, was to point people to Jesus, to uh, prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. And so uh, he says that he... Um, who comes after me is preferred. Um, he's um, he's mightier than I am. He's saying uh, my message is strong in the fact that I'm talking about Jesus. He says, but <clears throat> even though I got here first, he actually got here first. Is what he's saying here. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He's uh, talking about Jesus and the ministry that Jesus still has ahead of him. He hasn't done this yet, but John the Baptist is speaking of it as if he had already done it. Um, It's interesting how that God moves upon someone uh, in the Bible, and they will speak of things that God is going to do as if they had already done them. Um, And from God's perspective, he has already done it. Uh, and so, uh, we, but not chronologically here on earth. It, uh, we live in a timeline. Uh, God doesn't. He has declared him. That is one of the main purposes of the coming of Jesus, was to declare the Father. Uh, he does so over and over and over again. Throughout the Gospels, he is pointing people, Jesus is, he's pointing people to look at God the Father. I came from him, I am his son, and I declare him. If you want to know God, then get to know me. Uh, If you know me and you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And it's uh, that statement over and over again. Verse 19, now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? In other words, up in Jerusalem, they had heard about this guy dressed in camel's hair and kind of running wild down in the desert. 
and thousands of people flocking to him, being baptized. And of course, their curiosity is is aroused. They want to know uh, who he is. So they sent um, these uh, priests and Levites down there, and they asked, Who are you? And John answered them in verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So uh, right up front, he, he got it out. I am not the Christ. Um, <clears throat> I find it very interesting that we are living in a time when Jesus spoke of and he said, in that day there will come many who claim to be the Christ, but receive them not, Jesus said. They will say, oh, he's over here in the desert, or oh, he's over here, but believe them not. Do not be deceived. Um, I find it amazing that there anyone could claim to be Jesus, but uh, there are those out there. Um, and John the Baptist wanted to make it real clear, I am not him, I'm not he. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. And they asked, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to, them, to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. He uh, is quoting here from Isaiah chapter 40 where it referenced uh, the coming of Messiah. But the scripture that is uh, being talked about makes straight the paths. Uh, That is from a common ordinary daily thing that they would do back in those days when somebody important was coming to town. Uh, A king was coming. They'd all turn out and then go and fix up the road coming in. And if there was a little bit of a crook in it where it kind of leaned, they'd fill it in, fill in the chug holes and those kind of things, cut any limbs from trees. And they uh, would prepare the way for the king coming to town or the important person, whoever it might be. And so John uses this as an illustration of his ministry. Uh, He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. When a king came to town, they would have a crier that would come out in advance of him coming into the village or the town. And they would be crying out, the king is coming, the king is coming. And, And so John the Baptist said, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness that the king is on his way. And I'm calling out, make straight the way of the Lord. Make the path straight. And <clears throat> those who were sent 
Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, If this is your message, then why do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Uh, One thing that I really, really admire about John the Baptist is he recognized who he himself was in comparison to who Jesus is. my wife and I were talking about this on the way over here earlier this morning, how that there seems to be a lot of pastors today and leaders within the church who don't understand this concept that they aren't really special in any way. Um, as a pastor, I am merely a messenger. That's what John the Baptist was. Uh, I don't know how John received his message. Uh, It doesn't say. Uh, If he was in the wilderness for a number of years or had a dream at night or or an angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave it to him, we we don't know. That's not recorded. And the reason it's not there is not important. But his message is. But even though... He was who he was. John recognized that in comparison to Jesus, I'm not even worthy to go up and loosen the sandal strap on his sandal. And to get the full meaning of that, you have to understand what he was referring to. He was referring to the servant in a house that whenever you came into that house as a traveler or a visitor, the first thing they would do, the the lowest servant in the house, that was his job, to take, you'd sit in, take the sandal off and wash their feet. And then you'd go on in barefooted. And John the Baptist is saying, I am not even worthy for that lowest of servants' jobs to loosen his sandal straps. And I admire that in him because he, John knew his place. He knew who he was. He knew, I am just a voice crying in the wilderness. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Um, I want to look over at uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, for just a, a brief moment and read what it says here about John the Baptist. Mark, chapter 1 Beginning in uh, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Uh, That's very important to understand his message. Repentance for the remission of sins. And we'll come back and visit that again in just a second, but I'll continue reading in verse 5. And all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. That that speaks real loud to me. Uh, you know, God has a sense of humor. He, he really does. Just on the hill, 17 miles up from this place where he is on the Jordan River is Jerusalem. And all of the religious people up there can't be seen as walking around town or around the temple without being all dressed up and and actually even kind of gaudy with it. Things just dripping off of them. And as I look at the history of the church, um, it wasn't long in the church until the pastor was expected to really dress up. And I can remember in my first days of attending church, uh, I wasn't raised going to church. I, uh, I wasn't. And in some ways that wasn't bad because when I got saved, I didn't have to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff before I could begin learning. And so I was already ahead of some people. I didn't have to spend all that time unlearning. Uh, but one of the things that it just amazed me is that that I wasn't welcome. And I'd go in and I'd think, well, I took a bath last night. I, I, you know, Saturday night, that's when you're supposed to take a bath. <laughs> I got on clean clothes, everything. But I wasn't wearing a suit and tie. And I was made to feel so uncomfortable. It wasn't long until I felt God calling me into the ministry. And I made an agreement with him. I said, if I can be me, just if I can be me, I can just wear my my Levi's or my Carhartts and 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 wear my hat and those kind of things, uh, then let's go. And that's when I found Calvary Chapel. And I found a, a group of people who were basically just like me. Their hair was a little shorter. But... Uh, I fit in because I didn't fit with the norm. 
And neither did most of those hippie guys of the early Jesus movement. And, but we had one thing in common. We loved Jesus. We loved to tell others about Jesus. And I look at John the Baptist, dressed in camel's hair, clothing, a little scratchy, you know. Uh, and his diet was, <laughs> it was different. As different as I have been in my life, I've never been that different. <laughs> Eating locusts and wild honey. That, uh, but the thing was, God uses those who are a little bit different, who don't conform. He uh, has a history of doing that. John the Baptist, he, uh, he was different. Well, uh, he was preaching baptism. Um, it uh, talks about that in uh, Matthew also. In chapter 3, uh, verse 1 and following, in those, John the Bab- in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, speaks of him again, dressed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and eating locust and wild honey. And um, verse 6, And the people that came, they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Uh, this uh, message of repentance, I... Uh, thought about that some this week and some of my thoughts on on this were were sort of confirmed by a fellow that I don't even agree with wholly on a YouTube video that came out or I don't know when it came out but I just recently saw it But he is calling for our nation to repent. He is calling for Christians all over the nation to gather together uh, along toward the end of this month at the White House and, and, uh, and just pray for our nation. But he says we need to repent first. And he didn't say this, but I I was thinking along these lines that when John the Baptist was out there in the wilderness preaching, and it says that everybody from around Jerusalem and Judea and everywhere came to him, and they heard him preaching, he was preaching to the nation Israel. He was telling them, the Messiah is coming You need to repent. You need to make your heart straight. You need to get your heart right with God in anticipation of the coming of Messiah. And I look at what we need today. I'm I'm not saying that the non-believers need to repent in this. Yes, they do. But I'm saying 
Bible-believing Christians, we need to repent. We need to evaluate our own lives. We need to look at what we are doing, what we're watching with our eyes, what we're thinking with our mind, what we're, where we're going in our heart, and we need to repent. If my people who are called by my name will hear from heaven and repent and confess their sins, I will hear from heaven And I will heal their land. That's a promise from God. Of course, it was given to the nation Israel, but we can borrow it, I think. Uh, Our nation, Christians in this United States, we, we may have a last hope in this election. It may. I'm not saying it is, but we may have. The signs are all here that we are on the edge of the end. I'm not saying we can see the edge. I'm saying we're already at the edge. Ever visit the Grand Canyon? Me, uh, I'm too accident prone. I never wanted to get over close. I'd see other people, they get out of their car and they just run up there. And I think, whoa, whoa, slow down. It's a mile from here to there and only inches from here to that edge. And you, you're running to get there. Not smart. Not wise. <laughs> uh, we now have YouTube videos of people who got too close. Not funny, you know. I mean, we're at the edge. The whole world is. I believe the return of Jesus is at the very door. And I don't know what's going to happen to America, I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that Christians need to repent. Even if nothing changes, Jesus comes, he raptures us and we're gone. We still need to repent. And do the same thing that John the Baptist was heralding for people to do back then. Make the paths straight. Only this time we're not talking about the road. We're talking about our heart, our lives. And, you know, I mean, we have, as all of all people, are most pitiful. We, uh, as Christians in America, we can't agree on anything. We, we've come to the point now we can't agree if this is really God's word or not. We can't agree if it is God's Word, then how much of it is God's Word. We can't agree on how we should go to church or where. We can't even agree if Allah is God or not, because we don't even know enough in the Bible to know the truth of whether He is or He's not. And so there's arguments. We get into arguments if... if, uh, 
your sexual uh, inclination should be uh, considered whenever you hire a pastor. The Bible's clear on it. It's supposed to be a man. Bottom line, that's clear. No argue. But we argue about it in America. And it's time that we got real. Get real with God. Get real. Because He's fixing to get real with us. And I don't even consider myself a prophet or anything. I'm, I'm no seer. I can't see into the future. Don't have to. I lived in West Texas where, uh, you know, we're on the edge of big forest in this country, so you can't see the skyline quite as good. But out there, you can see for 75 miles. Down at Midland, you can tell if it's raining in Lubbock. <laughs> you just walk outside and look at night, see the lightning, and you think, well, Lubbock's getting the rain. You can see the thunderstorm long before it arrives. The thunderstorm is upon us of the end times. Now, is it next year, the year after, 10 years, a decade, 100 years? I don't know. But we are getting closer and closer and closer. The signs are all here. Justin wrote a song. I wish he was here to sing it. Called the coming thunderstorm. The return of the Lord is near. Uh, Excellent, excellent song. Uh, Need to get Beth to make a recording of it and play it for all of us. The return of the Lord is near Like a summer thunderstorm Jesus is my King And He promised to save me Take me to heaven before the storm I can't remember the rest of it But great song And it's true Just as true as John the Baptist was back in those days. Uh, Y'all look it up, uh, the name of this. uh, Can you remember, Jan, what it was? Return to me or return or something? You can probably Google return and find out about this uh, national gathering uh, that's going to happen. Khan, K-A-H-N, is that his name? Last name. Uh, like I say, I don't necessarily, he's the author of the uh, book Harbinger. I don't necessarily agree with his theology on all of that, but his message is good. Um, and he's kind of spearheading this call to repentance. Um, and, uh, you know, repentance is more than just everybody agreeing. Yeah, 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 yeah. They need to repent. Now, repentance means. I need to. And see, if I point my finger at y'all and say, y'all need to repent, there's only one finger going at you, but three back at me. I, I'm, I, I need to repent. 
Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we all do need to repent and we bow before you. And we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge that you are the all-powerful creator and that we are nothing. We are just mere pilgrims here on this earth as we pass through here. And we have gone amiss. We, we haven't followed according to your law and your precepts and your ordinances and, and what you require of us. Father, we haven't made you happy and, and pleased you. And we, we change our mind on this. We, we change our heart, Father, and we want to follow you and please you. And we want to do what's right. And we pray for our nation, Father, that Christians all over this nation could change and truly decide to follow you. The politics of this, uh, this nation is just all messed up. The laws are messed up. The people rioting, the destroying property, all this happening, Father, the, the disregard for civil law, Father, we repent of all of it. And we invite you to uh, come into our lives and our hearts and our homes and to point out to us the areas where we need to make changes. And if no other place, then start right here in, in the central part of Texas. Start with us, Father that we could truly um, be a fire that just spreads all over the United States. We ask that you do this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, um, I felt like God laid that on my heart to share this morning. And I uh, don't want you to leave here heavy and, oh, 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 you know, down and down and all. But um, you've got to think of repentance as a good thing. What if? I told my congregation this out in West Texas one time, and I had people come up afterwards and say, whoa, I never thought of it this way. What if everything that the word repent encompasses did not exist? Which means you did not have the ability to change your mind about something. Which means that you're going one direction and you did not, you're just being drawn in. You're just being suckered along. You've got a hook in your jaw and you're being pulled and you are powerless to turn around and go the other way. Repent means you have that power. It's a God-given right that we as Christians have that we are able to turn from our ways that don't please God and turn to ways that do please Him. And so when I look at repentance like that, I think, whoa, thank you, Lord. 
that I can repent. I can choose. I can do it. And you want to see a happy God. When his people begin repenting, it gets his attention and he smiles. And so we leave this morning. And uh, I wish that upon you, that God's face would smile upon you. And that he would fill you with his peace, his love, his joy as you go forth from this place. And be blessed by him. God bless you. Thank you.